sword of omens, come to my hand. I, Lionel, command it. I also command that you keep listening to Adrian Has Issues. guys welcome to adrian has issues i'm adrian so just a little bit of a preface as i was saying to my guest earlier before we got started i grew up in northeastern new jersey and as a new jersey native like it's your civil duty at least once a week if not once a month to go to a mall and at least where we live there's at least like four or five choices so when i realized that i'd be recording in one today it's like i couldn't pass that up but yet this is probably one of the bigger malls in this area of long island and i'm so glad to be talking about today's guest because I feel like in a Phantom Menace kind of way, I've been mentioning him a lot lately, and I'm like, who is this guy? Like, why do we keep saying it? Are you actually going to have him on the show? Does he exist? But he does exist. He's here, and he's cracking up. Uh, let's see. I mean, shoot. What don't you do at this point? Written comic books? Well, you draw them as well, correct? Uh, I do a little bit, yeah. Uh, but right now, I'm learning the number one lesson in any business, prioritizing and delegation. You are one of the founding fathers of Creator Aftercon, which is one of yep. those things that we had talked about on quite a few episodes. But today's guest, this is Jay Jacob Barker. How's it going, man? Thank you. And it is Jay Jacob Barker on paper, but Jay is fine in person. <laughs> yeah, like so this is wild, man. Now, going back a little bit, I met you, this was what, 2015? It was about a year ago now, right? Was it uh, October or was it June? Good question. That's right, because the second special edition NYC, that was, what, June 2015 or was it 2014? Yeah, 2000, their first year was 2014. Okay, so it was 2015. And I've told the story quite a few times, but the difference is now I can actually tell you, I almost didn't make it to your event. And to tell you the truth, I actually didn't even hear about it. It's a really good guy who's been on a show uh, a couple times, Victor Dandridge. I was talking to him after a panel, and he basically was like, Oh, I, you know, these guys have this cool, like, after party, like, a lot of connections, you should go. And I was like, why would I go? For a very long time, you know, I'd always see these things like, oh, the Nerdist would have a Comic-Con after party, or, like, IGN, and it's, like, these exclusive clubs. Yeah, like, there's these really big parties that, unless you're a part of, like, that particular network, nine to ten times you don't get in. So it's like, well, you're a part of the community, you have a podcast, you talk about comics, so why not go? And I did, and you were there... With probably like the most badass bow tie. Because <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I think, I don't know if I met you first or was it Stan? Because I think I was sitting down next to Buddy Sclera and my girlfriend Eileen. And I remember Stan coming up to me and passing me a card. I can't remember what that oh, card was for. So we, you know, uh, novice and all that. Uh, that first one I was trying to partner up with Carmine Street Comics, which is a local shop in Manhattan by NYU on Carmine Street. And we discuss about, you know, hey, maybe one way to promote the store is if you get one of the business cards with with a little, you know, like a coupon, right? Right. And if you show up to the event, you get a sticker. And the sticker says, hey, I attended. Give me my 50% off. And I feel so bad I didn't go. That's the thing is uh, we had a long debate about it. But actually, no one's really redeemed those cards. If oh, you man, still I really have a card, bad. and I'm sorry, John, if you still have a card with a sticker, go down to Carmine Street Comics. And in fact, not just for the discount. I mean, if you let John talk to you, the owner and operator, he'll open up a book for you. If you say, oh, this is my interest, give me a good book, and he'll get ecstatic like a professor in his office library. Right. He'll get the book out and start reading it to you very passionately. That's awesome. Tell me he actually does, like, readings in store. You know, with Patrick J. Riley uh, and Fabian... Um, Lele, I, I believe his name Lele, is. Lele? Yeah. They also organize the artist's studio space. Patrick is usually the one that organizes the events. And then Fabian helps out with the artist space. And then whenever they do do events together, they both organize them. So one of the things they do is in-store readings, which is really awesome. If you know Patrick and his type of comedic brand, right now they're doing an erotic series. Wait, is this happening like right now? <laughs> uh, I think it's on Sundays. 
I night. might have to find a way to get to do that because I, I I met Patrick I think at the the one from your Comic Con last year last mm. October and yeah he he does uh fat superheroes <laughs> he's fat. a really good guy yeah, like, yeah I can't I can't wait to hopefully check out one of those readings because that just sounds like a time and they do uh, other readings of other people's work not right. just adult content <laughs> you know. And being a family man, um, <laughs> I'm staying clear of adult content minus FlameCon last week. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, as a family man, why are you on this show? Have you heard this one before? <laughs> uh, hey, I'm bringing the G rating. Okay, now that you say that, let me pull it back a little bit because the next 20 minutes was going to be a tirade of like every profanity you could think of. I actually invented a few for the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, man, it's like, where do we start with you? Like, it's funny. Like, we met, at, like I yeah. said, at that special edition. And then and then again, uh, I your- encouraged you to come October because you right. only had a Thursday pass. Right. And we were on Friday night. And, oh, my goodness, I thank you so much. I mean, that's actually the core spirit of what we're doing. It's after con. You know, the focus is a, a space, an environment for people to connect and continue the conversation and make friends as buddy scalera said last episode you know it's a place to make friends right professional friends i mean that's the other thing we don't want to derail is we're still trying to be professional you know even though it's in a bar we're adults and all that but when it comes down to the end of the day after you make your product no matter what it is podcast book you're not done working you're not you you have to find avenues for those products and it's not always a buyer for me i realize it's not always a buyer sometimes it's someone to collaborate with on a project or someone to collaborate with promoting each other exactly you know? and that's why I, I didn't realize when talking to victor after that panel that day i think in a way i didn't figure that out yet like it was a slow process in realizing that i'm not necessarily selling comics or even making them but you know, someone still has to talk about it. And it's hard because and maybe it's because of the self, you know, deprecating humor or whatever. It's like, I didn't realize, wait a minute, is this like a thing I can actually do? It is very funny. I thought I was going to be a rock star since 14. And I tried to. And it, what I finally realized is, yes, music is a passion of mine. But the work I wanted to do in comics. Like, I wanted to work in comics. And sometimes... You never know how you're going to work in a profession. You'll start out going, oh, you know, I'll, I'll make a book. Come to find out, I'm doing more opportunities for these events than uh, I have time for my books. Because <laughs> then my kid is throwing a diaper at the younger kid, and then the dog <laughs> takes it and tries to eat it. So it's like, okay, so much for writing that story. Aww. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, that's just the reality is like, when when That's you're funny. when you're trying to do professional work, it isn't always clear. It's not going to be the same way you intend it, and that's the beauty of art. Art is very organic, right? And if you resist it, like life, if you fight those rapids of life down the river, you're gonna suffer. At this point, I thought I would be basically making big budget action movies. You know, ever since I saw Die Hard at three years old. I sat there as a child watching a barefoot Bruce Willis jump off of an exploding <laughs> skyscraper, and I'll never forget it. It's like my whole world opened up. But I feel like, in a way, I always wanted to do that sort of thing. And yet, that didn't happen. And all the podcasting stuff, it just sort of happened as like, hey, you want to do a show? And my friend being like, all right. And then just things just kind of happened. And I'm like, this isn't where I want it to be necessarily. But, but you're glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. Yeah. I mean, that is very true. I mean, all of us. Uh, I, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little honest and transparent here. I started in comics, like most eight-year-olds. Mm-hmm. I was a big Iron Man fan. In fact, when I was in elementary school, I wanted to be a robotics engineer before being a rock star at 14. That's very cool. <laughs> then in middle school, I learned it requires a lot of math. So you could have pulled like one of those like Milo descendants kind of things, you know, it's like, yeah, you're this rock star. But at the same time, you've got like eight chemistry degrees. Hey, that's one reason why I fell in love with corn. <laughs> you know, they had a biochem guy and some other. Yeah, like there are a lot of them are pretty learned for like, you know, cool. uh, the drummer is what a PhD in math. Yeah. 
shoot, supposedly, um, what's his name? Was it Dexter from uh, Offspring? It's or someone else? PhD in English. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I actually learned that the other day through one of my top ten YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> That's a guilty pleasure. Um, but yeah, I mean, so you know, I started out like that. I started with Iron Man, so I guess you could say Marvel. But my mom's a Batman, so she's a DC. Eventually, I got to DC. Don't worry. Uh, oh, who's it, worried? Says the guy who's wearing a Batman shirt. Yeah, but I am yeah. a Marvel guy at the end of the day. Don't tell anybody. Yeah, you know, I love the Marvel movies. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, you know, I was into it for a while. I got into almost everything nerd, but not 100%. Right. I went from comics to D&D and Magic the Gathering. Nice. Uh, I got sick of D&D by high school, and I'm like, I'm going to create my own RPG, which I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and I was really into Outlaw Star at the time. That anime influenced a lot of my characters in high school and the RPG I created. So, and then by the time I got to college, the rock and roll drive started tapering off and the poetry started taking off. So I started getting really academic and real. I even drove from Bloomington, Indiana, where Indiana University okay. is. Okay. That's Southern Indiana. So Illinois and Chicago and okay. Indiana are all, you know, like this. Because Gary, Indiana is a suburb of Chicago, which is Illinois. Right. You know, where Michael Jackson grew up. So I went up to Chicago to then go another two hours north for a poetry reading. Wow. And I just signed up for the open mic. I wasn't even featured. I was like that passionate about it. That's nuts. It, it Yeah. If I was dating my wife now, then... She would have been like, that's a waste of time. No, she wanted to do that. She would be very supportive, just scratching her head the entire time. That's so funny that you should say that. I almost felt the same way when dating Eileen and doing this. I'm like, why do you why do you allow me to do this? Yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, we, we got to count our blessings. Um, we really do. Our ladies are awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, Carolina, she's she's very supportive. Very, I mean, she's pretty much my producer. We recognize that comics in general i mean any art industry is a full-time job right any any industry and unfortunately because of the hypocrisy and the stigmas that we've created in our society of the arts you know like oh go be an actor go be famous go become a celebrity but pay the bills oh okay well so when i get the acting job i'll, I'll get at least livable wage no 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 we won't pay you we might pay you if you're on Broadway, but we won't pay you. Yeah, or you'll the whole like pay for exposure kind of thing. Yeah, so it's like okay, how do you make a living? And so you know you hear from and uh, I'm not belittling the reality we live in that right. there are a lot of people who have three part time jobs just to get by. But then when you go to the arts, you have people like Mags who has a full time job, mm -hmm. and then comics a full time job, podcast. All this are full-time jobs. So at least in the arts, we need to start having that dialogue where we have two or three full-time jobs. Because now with social media, that in itself... Oh, it's a full-time job. Listen, uh, you know, in the birth of Twitter, when uh, the big companies like Chrysler and those guys, you know, they realized they needed a Twitter handler. Yeah. Right? And they've had fiascos because the guy got personal on the company's Twitter account. So he got fired from a Twitter job. Like <laughs> You're right. People, and we talked about this before sometimes, about the responsibility of social media. Yes. Was it, I don't know if it was Arby's. I mean, it happens to a few, but those like, you know, fast food chains who are either getting into like arguments with people, posting, you know, insensitive comments. I don't know. Maybe it's like an accident because, you know, like you can have multiple accounts on Twitter. Maybe they didn't realize they were tapped into it, but it happens so often on like a nearly daily basis. And it's funny, but it's like, how embarrassing is that to be that guy that's like, wait, you got fired doing what? <laughs> like if someone was going to tell me we will pay you to stay on Twitter all day, I'm like, where do I apply? Yeah. Well, but the truth is that too is a hard job because you got to do your research. I mean, that's why we go to college. <laughs> you go to college to learn everything requires research. Everything. Like, you have to study constantly. It's like, okay, uh, when do I have the time? It seemed like I had all the time in the world when I was in college. 
but that's when you're 20 something and it doesn't matter and that kind of silly stuff. Now you're experiencing the family thing too. You know, when you have kids and a partner and the fact that you've grown up. <laughs> have I? <laughs> no, that's the funny thing. I, I struggle with the adulting. That's a popular verb in our generation. You know, the, the 30 something year olds of the eighties and nineties. That's the beauty of the social media culture right now is like we are very comedic, very sarcastic, very mm-hmm. whatever. And the most prominent verb we use is adulting. Oh, I adulted today. <laughs> I hadn't even graduated to past tense like adulted. <laughs> well, well, because I, I actually oh, man, that's funny. I, I, I might be making it up because I'm a writer. So I'm a liar. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not a liar. I'm a fictionalizer. There we go. There you go. See, there- <laughs> It's all about the reframing. See? You got to self-edit. Um, so, yeah, I, I swear I or I have had the feeling someone goes, I adulted already today. So what? I'm going to have a few shots. What? It's noon on a Wednesday and I still have that meeting? I don't care. I adulted. At least you're aware of the fact that there is that constant push and pull of being a creator and I guess the idea of people realizing that what we do isn't necessarily a waste of time. How do you get that out to people and really take it seriously and be like, hey. And I was one of those people, too, for a very long time where it's like, okay, I read comics. I read them all the time. I grew up reading comics. I didn't think about the hours it took for someone to sit there and either write it, draw it, ink yep. it, letter it, yep. and do covers. All I just knew is once a month, you know, X-Men would come out, Uncanny would come out, X-Factor. And it would just be there. Yeah, perspective. I don't know if it comes with age, but like, you get older and realize that even the worst comics I've ever read, somebody still oh probably God. did that, presumably for very little money, probably had a family, and you know, realizing that person drawing the comic might have had like a kid like hanging on there the entire time. And you know, things happen. And if it's a great comic or it's a bad comic, mm-hmm. that may be indicative of other things, but yet someone still had to put the time in. To do what you do. So and that's why, like, what you do, especially with the Acrocon stuff, is so impressive because you always have a presence. Well, and I, especially after hearing Stan saying attendance matters, I'm taking it even more to heart. I wanted to go to Eternal Con, but actually, thankfully, I didn't because that Saturday that I was planning to go, yeah. family happened. Oh. And that's the reality of life. You know, it doesn't matter what age you are, how adult or mature you are. It's just the reality that is is better that you are reflective and you are conscious of these nuances and complexities of life. Again, it's how you handle situations and circumstances and, and stress. Road rage. I mean, being from Jersey and now in Long Island and having to go through Manhattan you know, you see a lot of road rage. Yeah, it's like it's basically like Fury Road, just minus a guy and a guitar with a wall of speakers. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I might have seen that a few times. So you know what? That's actually not too far out of the realm of belief. <laughs> Come to New York, where you can experience Mad Max, but with more cars and more walls, so you can't move anywhere. Right. <laughs> and there's plenty of gas to go around. So it's basically you're fighting for time. Yeah. You're fighting everybody for time. I mean, that's what, okay, again, my origins, I'm from Indiana, from a college town, and I was just talking with my mom about this. The students are finally pouring back in. And she was like, yeah, remember when the culture is a ghost town during the summer and then you can't move anywhere during move-in week? Right. Because no one knows how to drive on our roads. (laughs) And that's it is like. I mean, I really felt the decreases and increases of population growing up there. And again, very sheltered. I mean, not, not just because I, I was a white male in suburbia, but like a college town man. That is its industry. That is its industry. And you are so sheltered because even academics, man, when they try to come out into the real world, they go, wait, I have to apply for a job now? I thought my professor just gives me a job. What? <laughs> and we're talking about, you know, 28-year-olds with PhDs. Yeah. Reality doesn't hit until you live in, in a place like New York, L.A., Chicago, you name it. Or even when you were going from Jersey to Long Island, it's all about perspective and willingness to recognize do what the Romans do. 
the first couple of weeks, first couple of months of moving to Long Island, you know, it was nice before because I was like, oh, look at this weird town, whatever. I'm only here for a couple of days and then I'm going to, you know, go back to merry old Montclair, New Jersey, where they're doing sidewalk art. and <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you hippies. You know, there, there's like an artisan vaping place. And <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, I wow. kid you not. But, you know, and it's not like the most, it's not like you're in like, you know, Brooklyn or anything like that. But, you know, it's a very art based town. And where we are in Long Island, there's some nice parts of it. Now I'm finally discovering that some really cool things about it. But at first, I'm like, this is sort of like the land of the lost, minus the sleeve stacks. It was just, it was very weird. And, oh, we still argue about that. But granted, at least in her case, you know, she grew up in Harlem. And, you know, I grew up pretty much in the inner city as well. So it's like, okay, we're both aware of what we are now. And this isn't exactly, like, our ideal, but it's not bad. I think uh, my buzzword for this episode is going to be perspective. And the reason why I'm advocating it is because it's the hardest lesson to be reminded and to be a practitioner of. And I'm going back to Indiana in about two weeks for my oldest birthday. So I'm getting prepared for that. But I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, it's just the reality. Like I was resisting New York quite a bit. I was having breakdowns. <laughs> I was like, you don't get it. I just want... I just want a backyard and like, you know, and so I was ignoring all the good things, right? All the great things. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I'm a, I'm really not a farm boy. I should be careful. I said that to one of my old high school mates when I saw him last time in Indiana and he actually grew up in the country and I'm like, you know, I'm a farm boy. And he goes, <laughs> no, you're not. No, no. <laughs> where, about where, that life. where did you go to elementary school? I'm like, uh, this place. He's like, yeah. Remember where Unionville is? I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> so again, it's it's you know experiences that you're never going to have and you're yet to have. Right. And actually, I'll tie it back into how I got back into comics because again, I thought I was going to be a robotics engineer. <laughs> you laughed so hard about that. I was like. There's more embarrassing things that people, you know, thought they were going to do it and didn't, you know? I know. Isn't that ironic? Like, the one thing that actually would be a stable job, I'm like, yeah, I, I was never going to get that. You know, it's not like, you know, like, oh, I want to get into comics, but I was an exotic dancer for like 10 years. Which, again, there's no shame in that at all. No, but I, I well, and that's it. It's like, that's the other thing we're learning, right? It's to own our own themes so we're not ashamed of it. Even if society says this is a shameful vocation, yeah. you know. And then I thought I was a rock star. And then I thought I was a you know what? I still do think I am a poet and a musician because that is something at heart. Right. But the thing that was in my spirit was community. The fact that I wanted to work with everybody who was trying to make something professional. Yeah. And the last project I did was uh, a poetry reading series called Upstart Poets. And that ran for about two and a half years. And I, I did it all by myself. And as we were talking, you know, when you realize sometimes <laughs> it's better to just do it yourself. Yeah. You know, and I did that. And, you know, it grew and grew. And it's one of those things where you just got to do it and let it be organic. Because I had... These very ambitious ideas. I thought I was going to mm -hmm. do a slam poem. Uh, I mean, a slam w with a DJ and like we would have a competition and it would become like professional wrestling where there would be a belt hey, for the winners. If you still want to do that, uh, we did pick up a fog machine. So if you want to use that for, hey, matter of fact, we should bring it for after God. <laughs> and now in the red corner. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the reason why I always like to retell these stories and and use them as anecdotes is because it's those experiences that led up to me returning to comics right also has given me that 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 breather so that i wouldn't be saturated mm -hmm. i mean that's always the danger in every entertainment industry you get so saturated by the by uh you were saying you wanted to be an action film director right yeah and you got so saturated, you thought it was that way. And same with me, with the rock star. I didn't realize how much work it required. The reality of it's not just, 
oh, you do that one film, and boom. Coming out of high school, not even really thinking much about college, I just figured I was going to go into film school and get right into it. And, you know, things happen, and, you know, you kind of get led in different directions, yep. and it didn't happen. Just as I kind of started to push that aside, it's now to a case where anybody with a beat-up Galaxy phone like mine can easily film a movie, like, let's say, post it on YouTube or something, and, you know, if the right person finds it, I just quit just as they realized, wait a minute, there's avenues that we can go through. Like, yes, would film school be awesome? Yeah, but, you know, you don't always have to go through these exact steps, and we've seen it happen with comics. As you were saying that, actually, there are several creators who started out in film Mm -hmm. and switched over, either by choice or by happenstance, watching a lot of panels. I mean, again, today's era is very special, and I don't want to, you know, dishonor it, but... The reality is there are so many avenues and you don't need a green light from a CEO or from some investor. You know, yeah, you don't have the big budget, but I've seen so many YouTubers with little budget do miraculous things. And then now with crowdfunding, and I I bet you crowdfunding had been around. Well, actually, think of it this way. Okay. I'm not a business guy, but think of it this way. Crowdfunding is just a way to tap into fans, right? Right, But that's the same thing that people would do when they were shopping around for investors, for um, producers. They were looking for money, a resource to produce their project. And it's just that for the longest time, we were really taught, you got to go find people who have tons of money. Yeah, like and you and you've heard those stories and I've read them too. And it's kind of a little I don't want to say dehumanizing, but just to well, have to basically go to somebody who you've probably never met before to be like, "Oh, hey, can I have 100 grand or a couple million to fund this project that invariably may not get off the ground, that may completely crap out." Well, and it, again, it's instead of going to one person with tons of money, you go to a ton of people with a dollar. Right. That's the other thing is like, you don't know them. I guess that's where I was going is the investor, you know, they always expect to be paid back. Well, the approach is not so much different. It's just a different model. The model is they give you a dollar, you give them a sticker of the brand or, you know, you, you say, Hey, thank you for your contribution. Here's compensation. You're kind of like almost in a way giving them a little bit of a stake and I guess the project itself. And, and a reminder that they also are owners of this, not not completely legally. Well, yeah. I mean, though <laughs> some licenses. people may act as though they are. Yeah. But that's another conversation for another time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm scared of that time. When I enter that era of people going, well, I own it, too. Let's Let's talk to our lawyers. Hey, guys. We'll be right back with more Adrian Has Issues right after this brief message. I promise. Do you like movies, television about comic books, and comic books themselves? Then you definitely need to listen to Thinking Outside the Long Box with Juan, John, and Gabe. Available now on iTunes, Stitcher, and your local computer monitor. Hey guys, welcome back to Adrian Has Issues. If we sound a little bit different, we have... (laughs) Possibly relocated, relocated uh, to greener, more sandwich-based pastures. Yes, but we are back. And for those who like decide to just start a podcast a half hour into it, <laughs> I am speaking with Jade Barker, one of the many founding fathers of Creator Aftercon. Mm-hmm. And before we left for a break, we were talking a little bit about reflection and about our past and how that is important. But you were going to make this really awesome point before. Um, you yeah. got to cost it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, it, it's just realizing your own historical context. I mean, right. teachers, parents, they all say, don't forget about your past, but at the same time, don't dwell on it. You know, it's a balancing act like all of life. And the most important thing, especially when you're starting out or trying to figure out who you want to be, what you want to do in comics, is where you started, where you came from. Time and time again, they, they say the, the degree you got in college, or let's say in a situation like high school, if you're just a high school graduate, 
you know, you were an all-star, whatever, or however you graduated is not always where you're going to end up. But those experiences, those moments that you lived through still feed into who you are today. And you can't forget it. You can't take a passage out of context. You know, <laughs> you just can't take a passage out of context and use it conveniently for whatever. You have to be self-reflective. I mean, I'm saying it very commanding, like, but believe me, I'm trying to be a practitioner. I even had almost a breakdown yesterday because I was running late to a doctor's appointment, but I stopped and did that very cheesy thing and I breathed took a big breath and then I looked at it. Listen, I had an emergency with the kids. Traffic sucked. It was out of my hands. And either I could have reacted to it or as we did just seconds ago, <laughs> we sat and we, we cooled and we reflected and we had a dialogue. We talked right. about it. We tried to figure out, okay, what's the best course of action right now? Are we going to do this or that? Or are we not going to do it? You know, are we going to make this episode short? And you know what? That's part of the professionalism. That's part of doing the work. Right. This is something that needs to be finalized. This is something that you need to put out there. And we got to do the best we can with the circumstances we're given. I thought about wanting to react differently. If I had gone that way, I could have not only ruined, not even just my day, but yours and also that of our listeners, because mm -hmm. in a way, like, OK, let's say, for instance, if I reacted negatively, you came from a ways to do this thing. And it's like, I don't want you to go away with a bad experience and saying, well, this is what you would expect, you know, when you hang out with me. I don't want there to be any sort of tension. And like I start throwing it back at you. <laughs> doing a face to face interview is a lot different than doing one on Skype. So if I decide to now just take on this weird demeanor, it's going to completely just change the dynamic and it's not fair to you and it's not fair to anybody listening and it's just not fair to life in general. I know that I've been doing a lot of anecdotes and whatnot, but it's important. Again, it's historical context. My father is a civil engineer and he restores covered bridges to the point where he has such a reputation that he's gone to Capitol Hill a few times to work with national engineers. Oh, wow. So, you know, his work is very important to him and so on and so forth. And I try to reflect on how he got where he got. And it's very important because there are a lot of aspects he does not like about the job. He's told me all he wants to do is the design work. He right. wants to sit and look at blueprint of the bridge, you know, do that fun Sherlock Holmes stuff restoring a bridge <laughs> but reality says no you got to be an administrator you got to be an, an accountant you got to be a uh, pr right. you got to be all these things and that's why earlier i said we need to change the landscape of when we're talking about part-time hobby full-time what i just listed off yes he can delegate to employees that he hires right but at the end of the day, you're still all those roles. And what we went through just now, both of us could have just decided, you know what, Skirt, I'm going to just be me. Like me, me, me. Like just really down yeah. to the person. You know, you just throw everything out the window and go, I'm taking this personally. And that's it. But when you do that in any context, even with family, I mean, that's why we have so many hats and so many masks with different contexts is because... You are your PR. You are your accountant. You are all these things that I think you tend to forget to put out front and name it for what it is. Right. We just instead take things face value and go, oh, this interaction is this person. It's like, but it's not. Because the guy, the guy was just doing his job. Maybe he was sucking at it, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> we don't know what kind of person he is at home. Right. You know, he, he might have been fidgety that day. Because he was trying to figure out why are these guys with electronic equipment. He saw equipment and he saw who we were. That's all that he had. He had no other context but what he saw and how he perceived it through his filters. Correct. And that's something that is what New York reminds me every day. <laughs> I, I've almost gotten into uh, fights with taxi drivers. But then when they're screaming at me, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> they roll down the room and they're screaming. And, you know, in those instances, I count my blessings that I kept it cool. And I go, listen, we're all having a bad day. 
I understand. Listen, I didn't, you know, I was trying to explain, but he's too angry. Yeah. So he just keeps screaming. And you know what? Eventually he drove off. And my wife turns to me and goes, I didn't know you were having a bad day. I'm like, no, I wasn't. I just was trying to defuse the situation. Yeah. But I was then, trying to relate to the guy. And that's what happens because once it gets to a certain level, it's very hard to sort of de-escalate and, you know, bring it back down. Fire start coming out the gate, fist and elbows. Metaphorically speaking, I'm not, you know, I don't do like movie tie or anything, but then that's going to reflect poorly on me. It's exactly the same thing that my wife and I deal with whenever we have situations like yesterday, I missed my doctor's appointment. Right. If I took already the emotions I was having to the uh, scheduler, well, they're going to be just as reactive as I am. But we've already seen it time and time again here in New York. If we go cool and calm and, you know, go, hey, this is our situation. Why are you trying to, uh, what, what's a PG word? Why are you trying to pigeonhole us? You know? <laughs> I like that. That is brilliant, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much. But no, yeah. Why are you trying to pigeonhole us? It could have been a lot different. And again, part of you still is a little on edge. Because it's a very personal experience. I mean, life tries to reteach you those lessons. As a lot of my in-laws and, you know, other family and friends talk about is like, if it's repeated, it's because you haven't learned the lesson. You have to really step back and look at the situation. I'm going to tie it into what we're doing, comics and whatnot. You know, uh, you hear time and time again on uh, panels that it's a very small pool. We'll know if it's you. Absolutely. Because matter of fact, you know, going back to we were talking a little bit about social media and responsibility. And, you know, I'm sure we can go back and forth for hours talking about times where someone hasn't put their best foot forward. Yeah. And what happens? Not only do other professionals hear about it. And because it's social networking, I remember just seeing mild Twitter tips get posted on news sites, on blogs with screenshots. We don't exist in these bubbles anymore. It's very true. We have to be professionals at the end of the day. And we get caught. Life happens. And on a worse day, what happened earlier could have been completely different. Now you're seen as problematic. That's why we count our blessings that we're still very young in the industry. Yeah. But... That's why we need to be even more on our game, because as we start gaining experience and becoming veterans, one false step and that's it. Because the old saying, bad news travels fast. Oh, yeah. Or trying to bury the bad news takes a lot of work and effort. You know, it reminds me of a story that uh, I want to work on. On the aspect of, you know, you were asking about the books I was working on. And, you know, right now, AfterCon is very dear to my heart. And I was reflecting on it, uh, especially after Eileen's What Do You Want to Be? So I, I was reflecting on my entire context, you know, my entire history. Right. And every time I'm drawn back to community, that theme of making unlikely friends. Well, actually, they're doing that right now. What was that latest film, The Rock with the little short guy? Oh, well, Kevin Hart. What is it? Um, Central Intelligence. Kevin Hart. Yeah. Right? That's an unlikely pairing. Yeah. Right? It, it, and those are the kind of stories that are dear to my... Firefly, TNG, the best friends on that show is a guy who's blind and a guy who has the most perfect eyes. (laughs) You know, those two guys are the most unlikely friends to me because it's basically, you know, a guy that has hindrances and a guy that his only hindrance is not being human. So why is that so bad? And that's why meeting you, meeting Stan and Buddy, it's like a comic book after party. I was expecting it's going to be like this elite club. I'm going to have to like use code to get in. But yeah. you guys just approached me as like a person. Granted, it could have just been a simple thing of, all right, that was a nice guy and we had a good time and that'll be it though. But yet we kept the dialogue going and, and, and we, you know, continue we, the conversation. Right. So many great things have happened because of that. And that's yeah. why I feel like this may be like the most important thing is just being that person. Doing you. You yeah. know, actually I've had colleagues say, girl, you do you. <laughs> You know, um, but that's why they also say, just create it. Just yeah. go with it. Just do it. Don't overthink it. You know, it's not going to be the first book that's going to be your walking dead. It's going to be your sixth, seventh, tenth book that's going to be your walking dead. You're right. up to 60, 70 episodes. Yeah, which I just still don't know how to happen. That's the beauty. When you're in the trenches and you pop up for a little bit and go, wow, how did that happen? That was really cool. And you go back in another hundred episodes. You come up, whoa, you know, you get back in. I mean, it would have been more than that, but life happens and, you know, you have to take some breaks here and there. Again, you know, that's all you got to do. If you're professionally saying, dude, no, I just can't. If they can't respect that, 
it's on them. Then they're not exercising professionalism. If you handle yourself professionally and if you, by example, are doing these things and then the other people within your community, your industry or whatever group you're working in, try to take their own struggles out on you. I just said it. Take their own struggles Struggles out on somebody else. Because they're either jealous or envious that you figured it out. We haven't figured it out. It's just we're like, just keep calm, dude. Yeah. Just keep calm. (laughs) Check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know? Like just, just settle down. Oh, Breathe. Man. Do that very dorky breathing thing that your elementary counselor, after you bit the kid, going okay. Try All right, to- I, I want to go on a record to say I never bit a kid. I mean, I, I've swung a few times. No, actually, my thing was insulting somebody to the point where they don't realize they're being insulted. That's what got me a lot because the teachers knew what I was doing, and I think somehow it would have been easier if I just bit somebody because that's a clear indication of. But it's like, this kid's too smart for his own good. Well, and that's like, it. Can't you just hit him like a normal person? Yeah. yeah. No, and that's that's the reality about uh, the smart ones is like, we always, fo- I mean, bullying is bullying and not good. And But that's it. It's like, sometimes we forget that bullying isn't necessarily from a bully. Yeah. We're fortunate enough that we have the friends we have, that we have the support and the family that we have. To go, hey, right. you know, you kind of just bullied. And, and because we are reflective, we, we stop and we think about it. I was trying to be funny, but it went the wrong way quickly. <laughs> Very quickly. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry if I keep uh, too much tea. I wouldn't even apologize because this is something that as I've gone on, and I've said this a lot on the show. And again, I know we're trying to keep this as very low. So I will edit myself. You've been to so many conventions, I'm sure. Everybody's got a product. Mm. Everybody's got a comic, maybe a TV show or a short film. And that's cool. That's great. I love it. But at the same time, though, I think people need a reason to care. And while we don't necessarily need to know the ins and outs of your lives, you know, the names of your children and everything like that, but that extra personal touch that both the fan and the creator have changes the dynamic because, you know, and I think Buddy also mentioned that too about customers and buyers Mm -hmm. in terms of like marketing and putting yourself out there. Showing that you care about not only the stuff you create, but also the people who are, I guess, consuming your products, for lack of a better term, that carries volume. There's people whom, and you know who they are, like they're maybe making millions of dollars hand over a fist with the products they create. But then, you know, you start hearing stories of people, people who have met them and they realize it's like they're leaving bad taste in people's mouths. You could have the most successful product in the world, like the world. But if you, at least for the most part, conduct yourself in a certain manner, people eventually will get tired of that and they will walk away. And I know it feels like we're skipping records here, but it's a message that can't be stressed enough, I feel. And even if people feel like they don't want to hear it, but I think there's enough that need to. The bottom line is you have to be community conscious. And that doesn't just mean creators or your customers. Community, by and large, I'm going out on a limb, is the entire world. You know, you have to know that you impact at all levels, indirectly, vicariously, you name it. Like the book that you make now, you never know how it's going to get into somebody's hands or the person who does read it uses it in their daily lives, what they've learned from it. You're really creating products that educate, you know, and that's why we have so many controversies when Tipper Gore try to ban profanity from music. Yeah. And luckily, all they got was a little label. <laughs> Which only told me, hey, there's some good stuff in here. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, she brought something to the dialogue that my children are getting educated in a way I don't like. Well, it is true. There is stuff out there that should not be taught to kids. And that's why there's controversy in video games. That's why they say a lot of comic book nerds are really smart. Because we know that when Superman's punching someone and then jumps off of a building... I don't do the same thing. (laughs) Wait, you don't? What are you doing with your life, man? (laughs) What I do with my life is I keep it. Because if I (laughs) went off the building, I wouldn't be here. Also, if I punched the rock, I think I would be thrown off the building. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that's it. I'm going to use all the cliches I can. I mean, it's really a web. Like, everything's connected. And I'm really obsessed with that. To the point, I was such a big Frank Zappa fan, and not so much his discography, but his philosophy. Conceptual continuity was his biggest thing. He said, this is why, if you listen to Frank Zappa, and all of a sudden he has an opera singer on there, 
And for someone who's not used to, you know, like Primus or any of those guys or uh, Mr. Bungle, if you're not used to that, to you, you're like, that's out of nowhere. That's out of genre. Frank Zappa, he said, listen, you reacting to that opera singer on that song, you're basically bringing all your experiences or lack of experiences with opera to that very moment. There is a conceptual continuity to that moment. And in that moment, you're basically saying, because I don't like opera or I don't like random things or whatever, you're pigeonholing yourself to not be open to that could be a possibility. That's why a lot of MoMA stuff, people have trouble you know, why is there a statue of a little boy that's a mannequin-like but so realistic and his pee-pee is showing? Because that's the point. They just had you ask all those questions. And you're not asking the artist. In fact, you're replacing yourself by putting the artist there in those questions. The artist is basically saying, no, you're not asking me. You're asking yourself, why am I experiencing this? What is the conceptual continuity of why this makes me uncomfortable? You get me off the deep end and I get very, very... This is why Stan and I click. <laughs> you you, you want to put a couple mics in front of Stan and I? I think, uh, well, he already did it. I mean, I, I was like very amazed. I mean, he knocked it out of the park. For somebody who doesn't do a lot of podcasts, and, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, I'm just completely just blown away because it all just ties in. And I'm so glad that we got a chance to sit and talk. And to tell you the truth, I'm going to just go out and say, whoever that guy was, I'm going to thank him. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to thank him. I'm going to go on a record. And I know he has the card. So if he goes and listens to this, I want you to know that right now. Thank you. Because he actually proved a point. Maybe not in the way that he had thought, yep. but it ties into everything that we've been discussing, everything we've been experiencing so far. It's very true. I could have so much more to say, but I think this is a good good spot to say our salutations. You're right. I mean, we got to thank for those moments when life is reteaching us and teaches us again. And it's up to us. It's up to us to yeah. say, am I connecting to this context or am I going to just... Meet the context again and see what happens. <laughs> We're trying to make friends in the industry. We're trying to make friends in the community. We're trying to find those moments that this guy gave us yeah. to really grow. You can't grow if you're not challenged. It hurts. Oh, I mean, wow. that's why they call it growing pains, man. <laughs> you know, when you're building muscle, your muscle breaks down and builds up. And that's all we're doing. And that's why we're trying to provide a more welcoming environment. Because I know businesses and, and these big, giant number crunchers, they just want to paint the romanticness of being an artist. Yeah. But we can't do that anymore. We have to educate the next generation that all work is all work. Yeah, you might not get paid for it right away or ever. But guess what? It impacts the world. What that guy did, the way he handled his job just now, we grew from it. His work influenced us, impacted us. We just have to recognize when we're working and own it. Yeah. Girl, you do you. <laughs> you need to get the t-shirt made now. You know that, right? I have to credit Mags for that, though. You know, we've been talking about AfterConnors this entire time, but we should at least let everybody know before we head out where they can find your work, where they can experience AfterCon. Aftercon's Twitter handle, Instagram handle, and Facebook page is conveniently C after con N. So C-A-F-T-E-R-C-O-N-N. And if anybody wants to check out any of your social networking sites? Pretty much any social media, it is Jojo Barker, J-O-J-A-B-A-R-K-E-R. Consistency. I'm working on a couple projects, a couple storytelling projects, but right now I'm in the trenches of community and we look forward to October in New York Comic Con. Uh, we got two nighters at Twins Pub, Friday and Saturday. And then next week or this week, Vermont is having their third convention and Johnny C has stepped forward for us to sponsor his meetup panel. So though it's during a convention, Actually, during the hours, we are very privileged to give Johnny the extra help during the third annual Vermont Con. I'm blown away. Like, I resisted it a little bit because I was concerned about quality over quantity. Right. So we had two events last year. 
this year we've done Chicago, San Diego Impromptu, last week Boston, and this week Vermont, and then we're going to finish up with New York Comic Con. Not bad for someone that started out as a conversation at a pizza place. Yeah, please press stop. I'm, I'm now blown away. All right. Well, before Jay gets too emotional, <laughs> that'll do it for this episode of Patriot Has Issues. And remember, girl, you do you. Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm His Issues. Wait, what? Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm... Wait, wait, that's not right. Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm Eileen. Tune in to the Adrian Has Issues podcast. Each week we chat with some great people. Including me from time to time. Comic book creators, comedians. Musicians and actors. Tax collectors, Zamboni drivers. (sighs) Point is, basically anyone willing to sit down for a geeky discussion or two on all things pop culture. Visit AdrianHasIssues.com where you can download and stream every episode. Especially the ones featuring yours truly. Visit Adrian Has Issues on Facebook and Twitter. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave a rating and review and tell me how amazing I am. Us. I mean us. Ah, I'm kidding. You're way cooler than I am anyway. Aw, thanks, babe. Oh, and Adrian Has Issues is also a proud member of the Tangent Bound Podcast Network. Awesome. Nice save, Brodor. <sighs> Visit AdrianHasIssues.com. <laughs>